And I, I think the interesting things happen at the, the uh, interface of disciplines. And when we integrate them, I think we get a, a more fuller, a fuller understanding or a more accurate understanding of the world in which we operate in and hopefully can make better decisions based on that. This month, FortSpace is collaborating with the Loyola Sustainability Research Center and the Loyola College for Diversity and Sustainability to host a week of online panels and workshops focusing on the environmental crisis and particularly on the climate emergency. Rebecca Titler is the coordinator of this week of activities, and to help set the frame for the conversations, she speaks with Damon Matthews, geography professor and Concordia Research Chair in Climate Science and Sustainability, and Shannon Lloyd, assistant professor in management at the JMSB, to talk about their work, their collaborative research projects, and the opportunities and challenges of interdisciplinary work. We would like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Cuyunkahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather, and Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community. This conversation was recorded in late February 2021. Thanks so much. And thank you all for being here. We're really excited to be partnering with First Space uh, for our week of discussions this coming March. Uh, and also super excited about the lineup, which you can see online. This is, goodness, we've been doing this uh, as a conference for a number of years since um, March of 2017, when I believe we held the conference in the middle of a huge snowstorm, <laughs> our first conference. The goal of the of the conference was always to bring together researchers across Concordia and, and usually a couple of external researchers as well who were working on sustainability issues from different disciplinary perspectives. So the goal really always has been to foster that kind of discussion that we need to be able to effectively address the environmental issues of the day, um, which is a discussion that occurs across disciplines. Um, so it's always been you know, a few days of, of sharing where our faculty members and faculty researchers and also student researchers um, come out to talk about uh, what they're working on and what they're doing and what they're interested in. Um, this year, because of the pandemic, uh, we, we actually we, we were scheduled to have a, a regular conference last year, which was to start on March 16th. Uh, needless to say, we had to cancel that. Um, this year, we were determined to go ahead despite the pandemic. Um, so instead of doing a conference this year, we've decided um, to do a week-long residence of discussions um, with Force Space, but with the same main goal of really fostering uh, conversation around issues of, of sustainability in research, um, this year with a particular focus on the climate crisis. So with that, I would um, like to uh, welcome our two uh, guests today. Uh, Professor Shannon Lloyd and Professor Damon Matthews um, and begin maybe just by asking each of you to introduce yourselves briefly and you know, tell us what your what your research is about. Sure. So first of all, thank you, Rebecca, for inviting me to be part of this conversation. Um, my work generally falls in two areas. First, I develop methods to assess the environmental and social impacts of industrial systems. And second, I study the sustainability practices of corporations. And so I guess the overall goal of my research is to identify initiatives that will actually lead to environmental improvements. 
Right. And Shannon, if I'm if I'm correct, you're also uh, you are officially in the Department of Management in the John Molson School of Business, but you also are in associated with uh, with the engineering school. Am I right? That's correct. Uh, my background is interdisciplinary by nature. And so um, I sort of fit in both places. Great. And what about you, Damon? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. And I'm happy to participate in this as well. Um, my my background is actually pretty, I mean, it's interdisciplinary in the sense of interdisciplinary science, but, it, but I do have a fairly traditional scientific training. Um, I did an undergraduate degree in environmental science. I, my PhD was in atmospheric and oceanic sciences from the University of Victoria. And I, I sort of came into climate as a focus of, of study from a desire to to use scientific tools and techniques to help solve environmental problems. Um, and so, so my background is really in, in you know climate modeling and the kind of quantitative analysis of the, of the climate system. Um, over the ten or so years I've been at Concordia, I would say you know my my focus has expanded from you know a purely scientific one to one that that does kind of stretch across this different disciplines. I have students in my my lab that you know are working on anything from um, degrowth as a economic solution to the climate problem um, to kind of corporate climate responsibility along with um, with with Shannon actually we, we've collaborated on a number of questions around this recently um, to to just kind of more kind of scientific modeling uh, uh, questions around you know quantifying uncertainty in scientific parameters or using climate models as a tool to develop Kind of policy relevant science information. Um, I'd say my main scientific interest right now is around the remaining carbon budget, um, and this is what I'm going to be speaking about in my keynote. This idea that we have a, a finite cap on allowable future emissions if we want to stabilize climate, and and we want to know, you know, what are the factors that determine how large the carbon budget is, and you know, correspondingly, how quickly do we need to decarbonize uh, global or yeah, global economic systems in order to achieve or have any chance of achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement? And maybe just for our listening audience, you could expand on what you mean by a carbon budget. So a carbon budget refers to a total quantity of CO2 emissions. Um, I mean, there's actually two definitions of the term carbon budget in the scientific literature. One is the one I just gave you. Um, the other is is an analysis of the kind of current state of the carbon cycle and how um, the carbon cycle responds to emissions and and so the budgeting the the emissions the sources and the sinks of carbon in the earth system so this is one definition and then there's the idea of the remaining carbon budget which is actually something different and this is the allowable emissions that we that we can the amount of co2 that we can still emit and not exceed a given climate target and so it's that carbon budget that is what I'm focusing on right now in my research and then I'm going to be speaking of in my presentation. And Shannon, I know that some of your work as well has to do with carbon cycles and, and emissions issues and that some of the work also that you'll be presenting during the conference as well. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, I think um, to give you a good idea of the type of research that I do, it might be helpful to talk a little bit about the projects some of the students are working on in my, in my research group. First would be um, one of the postdocs, Anders Bjorn, he's working with Damon and I and a few others. And you know, his focus is really on looking at methods that companies use to set targets and looking to see if they're aligned with science. So one of his projects is focused on looking at science-based targets, for example, and, and looking to see if they are truly aligned with, with the Paris Agreement. 
there are a couple of other students, um, graduate students, uh, Zainab Yosef Sadai and Alaha Fakur, who are looking at using some of the frameworks that we have in more of a perspective way to predict the environmental impacts of different technologies as they emerge. So they're focusing primarily on surface engineering with um, our green surface engineering and advanced materials network as well. So what they're basically doing is trying to identify, are there ways in which we can more effectively um, predict um, environmental impact so that we can inform the R&D process and end up with greener surface engineering solutions. Another student, Kian Rahimi, is working on um, integrating blockchain and other technologies into some of the frameworks that we have, such as lifecycle assessment or carbon footprinting, to try to better calculate the supply chain footprint. And then one other project that I'll mention uh, is being conducted by um, graduate student Deb Chatterjee, and he's really trying to understand why companies engage in the different sustainability practices that they engage in. So, for example, why, why do firms and some firms engage in lifecycle assessment and others don't? And, you know, another program that we're looking at is the U.S. Green Power Partnership. So why do some firms become members of this partnership and why, why don't other firms? And then ultimately where we want to go with that, that research is then looking at, well, do these engagements actually lead to better outcomes? So do they you know, reduce the environmental footprint or the carbon footprint of companies that engage in those practices. Right. And your those students will be presenting uh, during our week of discussions on the morning of uh, March 18th. Uh, but that morning, you'll also be uh, presenting a workshop on a life cycle assessment. So can you maybe expand uh, on that workshop and on life cycle assessment itself a little bit more for our audience who may not be familiar with that terminology? Sure. So first of all, uh, life cycle assessment is an analytical framework that we can use to assess uh, the environmental and increasingly social impacts of product systems or industrial systems from cradle to grave. So from resource extraction through the end of life of the product systems. And it's a framework that's been around since the mid 1990s and continuously improving and, you know, increasingly looking at different types of environmental impacts and different types of social impacts. Um, and so the workshop um, at the conference will really sort of focus on what is life cycle assessment. And we'll use a real world example from a consulting project that I was involved with. We'll use that, that, that example to demonstrate the principles of life cycle assessment, um, but then also to show how it can be used to identify where the biggest environmental impacts are in a product system. So where you might want to um, focus your efforts if you, you want to reduce the environmental impact of a product. Generally speaking, I've run this workshop a couple of times. So what, what people tend to walk away with after the workshop is, one, a better understanding of life cycle assessment. But I think more importantly, a better understanding of why we need to take a systems perspective and look at the, you know, the full system so that we can identify really how we should tackle these environmental cha uh, challenges in the most effective way. Thank you. And Damon, you mentioned the keynote that you're going to be giving on the Monday afternoon, the 15th. Um, do you have anything... Any preview information about that session, or should we just come and find out when we get there? I mean, I would say come and find out. I mean, so Concordia quite recently put out a, a sustainability action plan, which includes the, a climate action plan component. Um, and I think the the main things to to say about that is, you know, there's a number of kind of long-term goals. There's a number of, of short-term goals. I mean, I think the the challenge of you know, eliminating greenhouse gas emissions across Concordia's operation is is pretty substantial, and and, and we've we set a target in the plan to do that within the next uh, two decades, which involves you know replacing all of the 
um, natural gas and, and other fossil fuel technology that Concordia currently uses. You know, there's, there's also big challenges around, you know, electrifying transportation and you know, providing enough parking for electric vehicles across uh, Concordia's operations. And so, and I think there are, there are lots of like little steps that, that we're also hoping to take um, over the next few years, but it, it's really important to, to move on the kind of longer term um, you know, technological transitions that need to happen in order to, you know, it's actually, you know, quite surprising how big a, a carbon footprint Concordia's buildings currently have, given, given the, you know, we live in the province where most of our energy comes from hydro, but, but actually that's not the case for a lot of the big buildings downtown. Um, you know, the whole building is, is heated by, by natural gas. And, and so that's, that's a, you know, a really kind of obvious place to, to focus if we want to eliminate emissions in the, in the coming years. So that, as well as Shannon's work, are obviously work that will have to occur across disciplines. And that's one of our big focuses for this, this week of discussion and in the past for the conference. Uh, I know that you both, you work together and you come from dis different disciplinary perspectives. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could um, tell our audience why you think that that's, that that's uh, necessary and also maybe a little bit about the challenges. We tend to talk a lot about working across disciplines and not always as easy as we think it should be. Um, so, what have your what have your experiences been there? Maybe Shannon, you could you could start us off. That's a great question. Um, in terms of interdisciplinary research, I think for me it sort of comes naturally. Um, both my undergraduate and graduate degrees are in interdisciplinary programs. So, my undergraduate degree is in ener uh, enterprise systems engineering, and my PhD is engineering and public policy. Um, so, again, it it really comes naturally for me. Um, but in addition, I also collaborate with people from, you know, different backgrounds. So, you know, for example, Damon is a climate scientist and also with surface, surface engineers and the green scene work that we're doing, um, as well as organizational strategy scholars. Um, and I guess the challenges, in terms of challenges, I think from my perspective, the biggest challenge sometimes is figuring out how to scope the project. So how do we bring these different disciplinary perspectives together? Um, and frame a project that's doable and will be interesting in the end. But at the same time, I, I think that's the biggest benefit is this, you know, bringing these different perspectives together. And I, I think the interesting things happen at the, the uh, interface of disciplines. And when we integrate them, I think we get a, a more fuller, a fuller understanding or a more accurate understanding of the world in which we operate in and hopefully can make better decisions based on that. I mean, I would I would agree with with that perspective, and, and actually, I think um, you know Shannon and my current collaboration is a good example of the added value of people working from dis different disciplines. I mean, from my perspective, I can I can calculate the remaining carbon budget, and I can you know give you a an indication of um, you know how much carbon the world is allowed to emit if we want to meet one and a half degrees, and and you know so I come up with that answer and. It's like all we have to do is get to zero emissions by 2040, and we're done, right? And so it's, it's actually a very you know, straightforward solution to the to the climate problem um, from a scientific perspective. Of course, you know the reality of how we actually do that is not something that I can answer with with my scientific approach to this question. And and so you know, so what are the you know what are the processes by which corporations actually think about climate targets and set climate targets and actually move to implement those climate targets. And then, you know, how are those targets then aligned with the, the science of the remaining carbon budget or, of the, you know, the 
requirements to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement more broadly. I don't understand the details of, of the corporate world well enough to be able to assess those those questions, but you know those processes are actually really important to actually implementing the science of climate change in a way that leads to actual change. And there are you know really important nuances in, in there that I am learning about by virtue of working with Shannon and 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 the the students in her research group. You know, like you know, corporations actually achieve some of their targets by, you know, buying green energy credits, you know, from power companies. And that this may actually not even be a real reduction in emissions. And and so there's you know, when you kind of get into the details of, of mentality and practices in, in the corporate world, you know, you, you need to do that and understand if the, the things that, that corporations are doing to try to respond to the climate change are actually effective and are actually going to lead to emissions trajectories that we'll we'll get to. And I mean I think on the on the flip side, I mean I think people, you know, working with you know, like on the ground solutions to the climate problem also need to connect to the reality of the science and, and to kind of understand, you know, what is the envelope of emissions that we need to to work within and, and you know what how, how does the science inform that overarching question? You know, make sure that that the actions that are being implemented are ambitious enough to actually make the, the difference that is needed. Um, you've obviously encouraging your own students to do this kind of work, but do you have any words of wisdom for those who are who are coming up to inherit the earth from us? I work with a lot of business students who, um, you know, want to uh, advance business as you know, socially and environmentally responsible enterprises. And I think if I were going to offer one single piece of advice, it would be to develop you know, the skills and knowledge necessary to to understand the sustainability issue that you want to solve. Um, and I. So, for example, I think that you know, business students that want to tackle climate change should, uh, you know, they don't generally get courses that, that focus on climate science, but it, it might be helpful for them to, you know, first develop a basic understanding of climate change and how it happens and, you know, what are the factors that contribute to climate change and, you know, what are the unequal impacts of climate change and, uh, you know, that understanding and then their business knowledge um, will put them in a better position you know, to propose solutions that will, you know, indeed make a difference. I mean, I, I would say that interdisciplinarity is actually, I mean, it's quite difficult to to achieve and to implement because you, know, you need to strike a balance of in-depth knowledge with like breadth of knowledge. And, you know, breadth of knowledge is really important, but if all you have is a breadth of superficial knowledge, it's really hard to have the underlying details that sometimes you really need. So, um, so I mean, this, I think this, this is really the fundamental challenge is balancing the kind of the the depth of expertise in some area or in a range of areas with enough breadth of knowledge that isn't just, you know, superficial. I mean, I think breadth of knowledge is probably by definition a little bit superficial. So, so you do need that breadth, but you also need depth in some areas. And, and, and that, that's the, the kind of difficult balance to, to find. Climate is a it is by de- by nature an interdisciplinary field, but it's also you know rapidly becoming a field in and of its own right as well. And um, you know, climate science is comes from a variety of diff- different disciplines, but I would say is also a discipline by itself right now. And so you know, I think things become become disciplines when they were once interdisciplinary, also. And so you you know choose a discipline, learn about it, but make sure you retain enough exposure to other disciplines to to kind of have that breadth of knowledge that you need in order to advance your own interests. That's one of the things that I, I guess I always hope that people will get out of our, our week of discussion is a, a process of, of 
consideration, critical consideration of the issues at hand, I guess, but also some some guidance maybe as to what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. All right, well then I'll just wrap this up by thanking you both so much for participating today and for your participation in our week-long, upcoming week-long discussions. And also to thank Anna and Doug from Forspace uh, for their amazing work and helping us uh, to, to co-host this. I'm not sure how we would do this all in our crazy online environment uh, this year without you. Um, and hopefully we will continue with these collaborations in the future in a more in-person setting. And with that, um, I will end and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Space Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at CU Fourth Space, and wherever else you find your podcasts. The podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced by Anna Voklovec. Editing by Chloe Lalonde and Mackay Hawkrow. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstead. Our theme music is courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks for listening.